an active morning of export sales from Davis in just a couple of minutes and talk about setting the stage for today's AgriTalk. We are across the road from the largest grain and oil seed exporting facility in the country to talk about what U.S. soybean farmers are doing to maintain the U.S. marketing advantage we all call the Mississippi River. Live from the Gulf Coast of the USA via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with a conversation with Paul Matthews from the Port of South Louisiana. Then it's Mike Steenhook from the Soybean Export Federation. And later Garrett Marsh, directly following the news, Margie Echelkamp from The Scoop. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now here's the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis, man. Welcome to St. James Parish in the town of Reserve, Louisiana, in the port of South Louisiana. It is pretty doggone cool to be down here, man. I bet. It's uh, one of the bigger ports, as I understand it. Yeah, we're going to get into some of the details of it, but I I knew it was a sizable facility. But Mm -hmm. once you see it with your own eyes and start to study some of the facts and figures that go along with it, It is unbelievable how big this port is. Uh, We are proud to partner with the United Soybean Board to learn about what has been done, what is being done, and what can be done to improve the infrastructure and to make shipping U.S. soybeans from the Gulf just that much more efficient. I know we're watching some beans being loaded right now. Just downriver from us where we're at is ADM and Cargill and Bungie and Zio. And I I mean, it's... it's, uh, the amount of product that is moving from this facility, Davis, it's it's pretty mind blowing. It it's almost like it, this is it, it, this is something that you just hear about. It's like Oz, and then you get down here and you see it, and you see that it's real. It's fantastic. Really, this is your Oz. Yeah. Huh? It's your, it really is your Graceland. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sitting down here. Well, and I'm sitting down here across the table from Mike Steenhook, Soy Transportation Coalition. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, yeah, it just it, it's a it's a pretty cool experience right now, man. Definitely in good company. Yeah, proud of you. Good job. Yeah. No, oh, good, good. All right, let's get to those daily export sales because, man, oh man, it was yeah. uh, a big morning. There's a whole list of them: four hundred thirty-three thousand metric tons of beans to China for twenty-three twenty-four. 270,000 metric tons of corn to Mexico during 23-24. And then I've got 132,000 metric tons of beans and 344,500 metric tons of beans, both to unknown destinations during the 23-24 marketing year. Chip, China already showed up and put its name on it, and yet we have these two to unknown destinations. I don't know what to make of it. Oh, I know exactly what to make of it. Every now and then we say that you spell unknown destinations, C-H-I-N-A. Mm-hmm. And this time you spell it C-H-I-N-A because that is China in here. Uh, the word is that they washed out some beans from uh, from Brazil for Dees through March, and they have replaced uh-huh. it with at least 10 cargoes of U.S. beans coming out of the Gulf and the PNW. So uh, this is a lot of China business coming all at once. National Weather Service says warm to record-breaking temperatures from the southern high plains to the southeast today will give way to cooler conditions later this week. Post-frontal rain may develop across southern plains and the lower Mississippi Valley on Thursday, and a storm system brings rain and snow to the Pacific Northwest beginning Thursday night. Chip, we talked about I this. I tell you, uh, though, it's going to be yeah. a beautiful few days. It sure is. In fact, we got one in progress right now, 67 degrees and sunny in the city of Fountains. The Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer rose four points in October to 110. The modest improvement in farmers' sentiment resulted from farmers' improved perspective on current conditions on their farms, as well as their expectations for the future. Chip, uh, I had a conversation with Dr. Michael Langemeyer from Purdue University yesterday on the AM show in segment uh, three. Great conversation because there's some nuance in the way that these farmers are feeling and what they intend to do with their money. And speaking of doing oh, stuff yeah. with your money, Americans' credit card debt swelled $154 billion year-on-year to a record $1.08 trillion in Q3. This according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. That's notched the largest increase since the Reserve Bank began tracking household debt in 99. Interestingly, millennials saw the most credit card delinquencies. 
Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has firmly stated that Republicans will not support a substantial foreign aid package which includes Ukraine funding unless there is a GOP-approved resolution for the U.S.-Mexico border encompassing policy changes and increased funding. In other news, during their meeting in Japan, G7 foreign ministers expressed their support for humanitarian pauses and corridors in Gaza, but stopped short of calling for a ceasefire. In a joint statement, they also called on Iran to refrain from actions that could destabilize the Middle East. Challenges stemming from Moscow's invasion of Ukraine have hindered Ukrainian food exports, while Russian traders have managed to overcome financial and logistical obstacles to deliver record shipments. Russia's export quota now includes shipments from regions of Ukraine under Moscow's control, this according to Interfax. And finally here, the U.S. Treasury Department on Tuesday said no major trading partners appear to be manipulating their currencies, but it did put Vietnam back on to a foreign exchange monitoring list while removing Switzerland and South Korea from that category. Chip, back over to you. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop. Margie, you've been doing a little research into how farmers use uh, have been using uh, the Internet to buy their, their inputs online. What are you finding out? Yeah, Chip, this is the sixth year that Farm Journal has conducted its input purchase behavior study. And what makes our research unique is two things. One, the longevity. We've got six years of data. Two, we are specifically focused on crop inputs, so seed, fertilizer, and crop protection products. Now, what we found was actually a lower percentage of farmers saying that they bought inputs in 2023 online. It went from 18% last year to 8% this year. But you guys already talked about nuances on the show this morning through the newsreel. And I will share, this is also very nuanced. We have simultaneously had supply chain issues with some key products for crop inputs. We've also had retailers and the traditional channel invest in how they show up to their farmer customers by digitizing their business and launching an impressive number of grower portals. So even as farmers are looking across any supply chain necessary, they're finding that traditional ag retailer show up to them. And they're also looking for the security of the traditional channel with these <clears throat> supply chain challenges. So it's interesting to watch. We're grateful to have the study. Retailers are also telling us that they're grateful that they've made these investments yeah. so that they can help farmers because they know that farmers are doing things differently as the technology enables them to do so. Very cool. Very cool. So what it is, is the relationship is back, but it's got the internet, uh, um, variable to it, doesn't it? I, I say that farmers are still enjoying that traditional personal relationship with their business advisors and trusted advisors. It's just being augmented with a bit of technology. Very good. Very good. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Margie. It's not very often that I can sit here doing the show and say that I'm watching an ocean-going vessel go by the window, but that's what I'm watching right now from the port of South Louisiana. Uh, the largest grain and oil seed exporting port in the country. We're going to be talking with the CEO, Paul Matthews, next here on AgriTalk. Every acre tells a story, but to hear it, you need the right tools. Tyrannus Acre Forward Intelligence turns leaf-level data into actionable insights. Read your fields from the palm of your hand. Make decisions with more certainty and speed than ever before and have a more informed discussion with your retailer to preserve your hard-earned farm legacy, season after season. Every acre tells a story. Find yours at acreforward.com. That's acreforward.com. Advanced Acre RX from Winfield United is the full-season agronomic prescription program that's got farmers talking, providing extra protection through a service warranty, making yields more uniform over time. The Advanced Acre RX program is turning risk into reward. To hear what farmers have to say, visit winfieldunited.com slash AARX. Agreement is required and conditions, restrictions, and service fees apply. Percentage goals for the APH crop yield range from 95 to 105% for corn and 95 to 100% for soybeans. Due to factors outside of Winfield United's control, results to be obtained cannot be predicted or guaranteed by Winfield United. Results may vary. 
We're not saying Provence seeds could beat every seed brand out there. We're just saying that a new way of doing things backed by constant innovation, over 100 years of ag experience, science and service, one of the world's largest libraries of corn germplasm, and utilizing the expertise that can only come from local ag retail has led Provence seeds to average more bushels per acre than the competition every year we've sold seed. That's all. Bucking the status quo. That's the Provence Seed Standard. Who's in the plywood at stores nationwide? You are. That's right, you. Today's soybean farmers, like you, are literally building demand for your soybeans. How? By pooling resources through the soy checkoff. The soy checkoff is working with product manufacturers to replace petroleum oil with your soybean oil. And that brings tangible returns back to your bottom line. See all the ways the soy checkoff is moving soy forward at unitedsoybean.org slash hopper. <coughs> Hello? Man, where are you? I thought you were coming. I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. <coughs> the flu? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma's about to crowd, sir. Man, I'll call you back. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Agritalk is brought to you by Bravant Seeds. You want someone who knows how to do the whole job. That's what ag retailers do. That's why Bravant Seeds are available only through retailers. Find yours at bravant.com slash retail. Welcome back to Agritalk. Glad that you're with us here this morning. We are at the port of South Louisiana partnering with the United Soybean Board to bring you some conversations about what is happening at the port to improve the efficiencies of of moving grain around the world. And we, I can't think of anybody better to have that conversation with than Paul Matthews. He is the CEO here at the Port of South Louisiana. Paul, thank you so much for making time and thanks for giving us a, a spot here to, to broadcast uh, AgriTalk. Well, that's great. I'm glad to have you at the Port of South Louisiana. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to take this show on the road because you're you're the best ambassador I've ever heard promoting the port and all the grain that we're moving. I oh, that's you, fantastic. I, yeah. might to, uh, I might have to knight you as the troubadour of Port of South Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> I will take it. I'll take it. Very cool. Very cool. So give me a little history here, Paul. Um, give me a, how this, this port has developed into the mammoth facility that it is today. Sure. So our port is, has been around for a little over 60 years. And, and just in that short time, uh, we are now the second largest uh, tonnage port in the Western Hemisphere. And much of that is because of the over 100 million tons of grain that's exported and moved throughout the port of South Louisiana. And a lot of it is because where we are, our location, we're right here on the Mississippi River, the mighty Mississippi River. And we're one of five ports on the lower Mississippi River that make up the busiest port complex in the world with more than a half a billion tons of cargo moving down the lower Mississippi River. But half of that tonnage and half of the ship calls actually come through the Port of South Louisiana because we connect to 31 states and two Canadian provinces. So we move wow. all the grain that's coming out of the Midwest and we're exporting to the rest of the world. As a matter of fact, 60% of the nation's grain is exported, comes through the Port of South Louisiana. Man, oh man. You mentioned the domestic trade. What is that domestic trade, Paul? Well, a good bit of our domestic trade is more on the uh, the aggregate side. So, uh, for example, our largest importer comes out of uh, Jamaica, which is bauxite. So bauxite is used to extract, uh, extract aluminum, which then makes aluminum. And then you go to the grocery store and buy a Coke can. Mm -hmm. uh, also, they use some of the byproduct of that. It's called wet cake. 
which is then used in uh, water, water filtration systems um, in the northern areas of the U.S. So we have, have consistently been the largest domestic uh, port for trade in the uh, in the United States, and we're going to continue that. Uh, we're also the number two foreign trade zone port in the United mm-hmm. States. So when you look at that domestic trade, attracting businesses to come in and taking raw materials that bring in and using to create uh, advanced manufactured materials that then we as citizens buy and consume on a daily basis really puts us um, above any other port in the sense of making sure that domestic trade is there. So when you look at domestic trade and foreign trade, we are feeding and fueling the world from the grain side and mm-hmm. respectively from all the petrochemical products um, coming through our port. Yeah. 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 You, as you were talking about the domestic trade, I'm thinking about, okay, this explains the refineries. This explains some of the manufacturing that we see inside of the port down here. It's more than just a loading facility. There's a lot of processing that happens down here on the port site, isn't there? Absolutely. And we have a, uh, everything all in above approach when we look at uh, the type of commodities that we bring into our port. Um, We're just looking at all the above. And so whether it's the petrochemical products, um, we have the shells, the Valeros, the Marathons. Yeah. We also have companies like Evonik and Pinnacle Polymer that are here on the grain side, ADM, Zeno, uh, Bungie. As a matter of fact, the largest grain um, facility in the world by throughput is right in St. James Parish at Zeno, which is shipping over to um, Japan. Uh, yeah. We also have companies such as Bomber Foods, where every drop of crystal hot sauce is manufactured and moved out from the port of South Louisiana. So I know you got crystal hot sauce in your house somewhere. When you yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Had some last night on some oysters. <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. That's the way to do it. So if, if you think about from food processing to oil and gas to, to grain, um, we have a, a just all-in approach to all the diversity of the type of cargo that we want to move because we service not only those 31 states and two Canadian provinces uh, in the United States, but we serve countries like Mexico, Colombia, the Netherlands, Jamaica, China, Japan, countries of West Africa as well. And the reason why the cargo domestically and foreign trade-wise is coming through our port is because the port of South Louisiana is a better way to cargo. We have access to moving cargo by the river, on the roads, by rail with three class one rail lines right in our jurisdiction, but also by air because we are one of only two ports in the state of Louisiana that operates its own airport just a a half a mile away from our main facility of Globalplex. So yeah. we're very diverse in, in cargo we move, but we're also diverse in the way we transport that cargo. Yeah. And and you mentioned the, the three class one rails. You've got one that serves the west side of the channel, two or two that serve the west side of the channel, one on the east side, right? Well, there's yeah, well, we call it the East Bank. So there's two okay. on the east bank of the river, which is uh CPKC and the CN. And then on the west bank of the river is the Union Pacific, which can get us all way to a major market like Dallas without ever having to cross the river. And you can appreciate the cost uh, yeah. savings of not having to do that in yeah. such a major market like the Dallas metropolitan area. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned the airport as well, uh, Paul. Very quickly, you're looking at expanding the facilities there to do air cargo, right? That's correct. So we're in the process right now to extend our runway from 5,100 feet to 6,500 feet. We were able to work with Vicksburg, uh, the one star in Vicksburg at the Army Corps of Engineers to make sure that the new levee construction around the airport would impede our progress to extend that runway, uh, which is a good partnership. And when we're able to to complete that runway, then we're able to get those larger ships to come in to be able to move major uh, air cargo. We have some air cargo coming in now, but we believe that we'd be a big player in the game once we're able to do that, we have multiple hangars on site that are fully leased out. Um, we can't cool. build fast enough. Uh, more and more wow. people come to the Port of South Louisiana's regional airport, and we're going to make that happen. So we're looking at expansions not just on the riverside, yep. but on the airside as well. All right. Hey, tell me about the partnership you've got with the United Soybean Board and the efforts to maintain the infrastructure, and most importantly, to increase the efficiency down here at the port. 
Well, I can't say enough about it. If I had a thousand tongues, I couldn't say enough because it's important that we have these partnerships all across the United States. Yep. And when you have such an impact as our port has in working with the United Soybean Association in those states, and, and I call Hey, Paul, uh, give me just a moment here because you're kind of cutting out on us a little bit. Uh, they're feeding me. Hey, so they Paul, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, hold on. Just yeah, yeah, you're cutting out on yeah. us. Let's let us let your signal kind of straighten out here for just a moment because I want to get back to that and your partnership with the USB. Let's give it another shot here. Tell me about that partnership. Yeah, can you hear me better now? Yes. Okay, so that partnership is to make sure that our river um, is at a proper deepening channel or 50 feet as opposed to 45 feet. Uh, because those partners understand that if the Mississippi River is the largest ships possible, it's more efficiency and more profitability for our farmers in the rest of uh, the United States to move their products to the rest of the world. And so they were able to get a great deal of funding to help us deepen the Mississippi River from 45 feet to 50 feet which is significant economically because for every one foot of depth that you increase, that's an additional $1 million in value of the cargo exporting out the river. That could be up to a $15 billion difference annually to the uh, U.S. economy, which ports make up 25% of the U.S. economy anyway. And when we have a situation like Ukraine and Russia happening, where Ukraine and Russia were two of the top five producers and exporters of grain in the world, it is become more incumbent on our ports uh, here at the Port of South Louisiana, our port terminals, and become more incumbent on the farmers in the United States to move more cargo to feed Europe, uh, China, Japan, and West Africa, and even parts of Central and South America. So this is a critical geopolitical issue, and I'm grateful for the partnership with the United Soybean Association. Well, I know that the USB sure likes... Uh... Um, working with the port of South Louisiana as well, Paul, it's, it's a fantastic partnership. And, and when we talk about, you said it, 60% of the, the U S soybeans and corn are exported through this port of South Louisiana. It's important to each and every farmer in this country, what you guys are doing down here, Paul, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, that is Paul Matthews. He is the CEO here at the Port of South Louisiana. Coming up next, we've got a familiar voice to AgriTalk listeners. Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, is here. And we've got him next on AgriTalk. My whole identity had been wrapped up in being a soldier. To have that so violently ripped from me when I was wounded... I was lost for a very long time. When Wounded Warrior Project came into my life, being around the other warriors, people that had similar experiences that I did, it was a game changer for me. Having King join the group, that was the beginning of a really good friendship. It's a, it's a, it's a good time. <laughs> I first heard about Wounded Warrior Project through CQ. And at first I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I qualify. But having been a part of it, it's kind of taught me that it's not just the wounds that you can see, but it's those that you can't. When you do something like a peer support group with Wounded Warrior Project and come together from different walks of life, man, the growth is incredible. If not for Wounded Warrior Project, I really don't think that I'd be here today. See how we help warriors combat stigma at woundedwarriorproject.org slash combat stigma. Time for Markets Now with the experts from Pro Farmer. Joining us now, Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Wow, man, those export sales of soybeans this morning helping out the soy complex, isn't it? Absolutely, Chip. Uh, you know, the China was in, uh, bought beans. Unknown was in, bought beans. And uh, really just fueling the uh, the gains here. But, you know, it's not just soybeans that are, that are surging. Uh, the soy meal market, new contract highs and, and the highest levels we've seen since summertime in the front month contract. And, and uh, so this combination of soybeans and soy meal just continue to charge up the charts. And, and uh, you know, it's reflective of concerns, uh, not only for the lack of supplies that Argentina has because of their drought last year, but looking forward to this year's crop or, or the 23-24 crop in Brazil and, and the dryness issues that are um, 
invading the the central part of the country and, and the too wet conditions in southern areas and and production uh, concerns there. The all these concerns are starting to collide right now, aren't they, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, while it's still early in their growing season and yep. they have time to recover, uh, I think the market is now reflective of the fact that uh, you know production isn't going to be as big as what it was once thought to be. Right. Right. Okay. Tough day in the cattle complex yesterday. He's trying to come back today. Yeah, clawing back. Uh, so we've got uh, slight to moderate gains here at mid-morning, but uh, just really heavy uh, selling pressure yesterday. And, and so we're gaining just a fraction of what we lost yesterday back. Uh, you know, the live cattle, the, the chart looked better there than it does for feeders. Feeders, uh, that was pretty ugly performance yesterday. And then the hog market pulling back after its recent strong gains. So uh, sharp losses here at mid-morning. All right, Brian. We got USDA reports tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. Brian Grady, Pro Farmer Editor, Markets Now. This is Andrew McRae, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in our industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends from grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Protect your legacy. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan for the tools and tips you need to start your emergency preparedness plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. AgriTalk is brought to you by Advanced Acre RX from Winfield United, the comprehensive customized program that's paying off at operations across America. Visit winfieldunited.com slash AARX. Welcome back to AgriTalk. We are partnering with United Soybean Board at the Port of South Louisiana to give you guys an idea of just how important this facility is, just what it means to the soy industry, and what that partnership between uh, USB and the Port of South Louisiana means. We we just heard it from Paul Matthews, the CEO of the Port. $15 billion difference annually from dredging the lower Mississippi so that the large vessels can can get in here and uh, uh, get loaded. It's a million a million dollars a foot per vessel, a million dollars per foot per vessel coming in here to get loaded. And one of the guys that we talked about a lot about this project with was Mike Steenhook, executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. And he's sitting across the table from me right now. It's good to see you, Mike. Welcome. It's good to be with you, Chip. All right. That project, uh, seeing it from start to finish, Mike, tell me about what it means. Tell me about how it came, how it happened and what it means for that Midwest soybean producer. Yeah, so this was a project that uh, stakeholders in Louisiana had long aspired to achieve, and they and they had done exceptional leadership. You had you were here at the Port of South Louisiana. That's been one of the the key yeah. leaders in this whole process. And in about 2018, 2017, I, I came became more acquainted with this effort and quickly understood the implications of it for agriculture. And my my argument is this should not just be a Louisiana thing. Mm-hmm. It should be an Illinois thing. It should mm-hmm. be an Ohio thing, a Minnesota thing. And so we went to the board of directors of the Soy Transportation Coalition, and we decided to get more actively engaged in this project and really trying to get Midwestern adrenaline yeah. into this project. And so we did a number of things. One is we did some research that at that, that clarified how that would provide benefit to farmers in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. We needed to strengthen the argument Mm -hmm. for what the benefits would be to Midwest soybean farmers. Number two, in working with the American Soybean Association, we did a lot of public policy and advocacy talking about 
the importance of this project to the Army Corps of Engineers, Capitol Hill, the administration, those kind of things. But then what was also really key is working with the United Soybean Board. Um, it was a proposal I'd made to them to provide some funding to help underwrite some of the cost of this project. This mm -hmm. is a project that costs 75% is assumed by the federal government, 25% non-federal sources. And right. the state of Louisiana is that 25% entity responsible. Well, the United Soybean Board provided $2 million mm -hmm. for this project. So it's 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 helping under absorb some of the costs that the state of Louisiana is having to provide for this project. Mm -hmm. So it's a great example of federal government, state government, and then private entity mm -hmm. like soybean farmers all coming together. And I, I thought that once you got that that diverse array of of stakeholders, not just folks in Louisiana, but also the Midwest, mm -hmm. it was really key in getting this project moving forward. How do you even calculate the return on the on the dollars invested in this, Mike? Yeah, you know, and that was one of the, you know, one of the real key arguments was um, the fact that we, a well understood principle in agriculture is that the price farmers receive at point of sale basis yep. is strongly related to how efficient transportation yes. is after that occurs, and so we were able to do some studies to quantify this four hundred sixty one million dollar annual benefit to soybean farmers. Not because supply change, not because demand change, but you're just making the connectivity between supply and demand more efficient. Okay. If a hurricane blows in here and messes up everything and it disrupts it, basis tanks, we feel that in Iowa. Okay. We feel that. So you have to understand that when things are working more efficiently and we've got a good situation going, strengthens basis. And we feel that in Iowa. So you feel the good, you feel the bad, but boy, it's nice when things are working as efficiently as they are out of the port on the lower Mississippi right now. Yeah. And so one of the things that we were able to identify is how many additional bushels of soybeans would you be able to load per vessel by going that additional five feet? And a lot of people think, well, five feet, I'm that's how tall right. I, a person is, yeah. you know, or, or, or even shorter. Well, you can actually get an additional... 500,000 bushels of soybeans per vessel. So it's going from a 2.4 million bushels of soybeans to 2.9. So that's a pretty significant increase. And, and we all know we produce commodities and we don't produce iPhones. So to win in the international marketplace, it's a lot about cost. Yeah. And so being able to, you know, I always try to think of this transportation number to get from farmers in the middle of the country to the, the ultimate customer. And ocean is one part of that. And I try to, one thing I try to focus on is attack that number, attack mm -hmm. that transportation number yep. in a variety of ways. And ocean is one of them. And by having a more efficient ocean delivery system, by increasing the water depth here at, at, in Southern Louisiana is one of those ways to attack that number and to drive costs out of our supply chain. When I was talking to Paul before we went on the air, he made, he, he did this math for me, made it real simple before the dredging project the amount of beans that it took five boats to carry out of here, you're now doing on three. Yeah. <laughs> that's efficiency right there. Absolutely. And, and, and that's just really one of the keys to our success. You know, we is having that it's not due to a lower cost of production. When you look at our friends in right. South America, right. it's due to a lower cost of transportation. And this is one key element of that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you identify the projects that you're going to work on that you're going to most actively advocate for yeah you know it's it, there's a, a variety of things there's more supply chain issues that i could attend to to last mm -hmm. multiple lifetimes but really one of the big questions is obviously it has to check the importance to farmers box but one of the things that we look at is by us getting involved can we be a catalyst to creating something profound mm -hmm. helping to 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 nudge something and this was one of the things that we kind of identified that if farmers got engaged in this in a variety of ways, and again, that funding from the United Soybean Board was one, one key key element of that, could we be a catalyst to getting this project receive the green light? And and we clearly were. And so that's the, that's one of the things that we look at is, okay, are, by by providing some investment in an area, does it help the the entity? Yes. But can we be a catalyst for something greater? This is a $250 million project overall. Mm -hmm. And so- we were very pleased to be one catalyst among many, along with our friends in, in Louisiana, Port of South Louisiana being a good example of that, to really help make this project a reality. Okay. 
What's next on the priority list? What are you guys working on? Well, I, I think one of the keys for us is you're going to continue to hear a lot from us is the diversity of the supply chain, mm-hmm. um, the resilience of the supply chain. And so we we talk about what are those various opportunities? You know, when he even talked about, we have a project underway in the Great Lakes St. Lawrence Seaway. Yep. That's not a big percentage of what we export, but any opportunity to diversify your supply chain, the better position you are for success. You know, we are consi- we we are experiencing some challenges right now with the Mississippi River with low mm-hmm. water conditions. Normally, we export about sixty percent of soybeans from this region. Last year was fifty five percent. I anticipate we'll have something similar. It's still by far our number one export region, but we we do continue to have some supply chain challenges not just on the river, but elsewhere. So the more you can diversify your supply chain, the better. Yeah. What's the status of the lock and dam improvements? Well, the good news is that we actually have additional investment being devoted toward it. Um, There's a project north of St. Louis that's a great example of that, lock and dam 25. Um, So that's the good news. Additional investment is going toward this system after years and years of intentions not becoming outcomes. Right. But that being said, the projects are extremely expensive, and that is something that continues to concern me. And on top of that, we do have infrastructure inflation that mm-hmm. is pretty profound. And so a project that costs $700 million, extremely expensive, is are having $300 million cost overruns. Right. And in this day and age of deficit spending, that still remains a concern yeah. for us. And so there's good news and there's bad news when it comes to the locks and dams. Yeah. yeah. You know, it would, when they announced all the infrastructure programs and all the spending that was planned and then the Inflation Reduction Act on top of it, that all feels good because you knew that we were going to get funding for those projects, but you knew that every project was going to cost more. Yeah. And, and you know, we talk about labor being more expensive, yep. steel being more expensive. And so, you know, everything's more expensive. And, and you know, the, the price, the sticker shock that we experience at the grocery store or at the department store is not just limited to those places. It also is very much manifest when it comes to building and maintaining our infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, when you get agreement between uh, a facility like the Port of South Louisiana and USB and the Soy Transportation Coalition, and you see the support coming in from soybean farmers, boy, that's that's green light. Get ready, set and go on that project, isn't it? It is. You know, I, I that was one of the things when I was first approached about being the staff member for the Soy Transportation Coalition, as I understood from my background working on Capitol Hill, that while farmers are numerically a, a, a diminishing constituency in this country, mm-hmm. farmers are producing more, of course, um, but it's a constituency that still has a lot of credibility. Farmers punch above their weight class. yeah, And so when they get involved in something, things happen. And I, I recognize that. And so it, it's been really gratifying to see farmer engagement result in infrastructure improvements. Well, it's because they put their money where their mouth is in so many cases. And USB is a great example of that. Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing for someone to say, please, government officials or please, uh, leaders, mm-hmm. approve something because it's important to us versus please approve something because it's important to us and we're providing funding for it right. all of a sudden there's a lot more energy to that in the discussion. Game. in the game yep. mike it's great to see you good seeing you my friend all right that is mike steen hook is the executive director of the soy transportation coalition coming up next we've got a louisiana farmer standing by garrett marsh he's also a usb director we're going to be talking with him from the port of south louisiana next right here on ag talk Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. Scammers often try to dupe veterans to steal the VA benefits they've earned. Scammers may try to obtain sensitive information or collect payments over the phone, offer to move assets in order to qualify for pension, insist benefits may be sent directly to a friend or caregiver, or promise to manage benefits or file a claim for you. 
VA will never charge you for processing a claim, and only VA can determine eligibility. To report suspicious activity, visit va.gov forward slash OIG forward slash hotline. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. (laughs) Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning, the cap is loose on that catch-up. Ugh. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Prediabetes Awareness Partners. Who's in the plywood at stores nationwide? You are. That's right, you. Today's soybean farmers, like you, are literally building demand for your soybeans. How? By pooling resources through the soy checkoff. The Soy Checkoff is working with product manufacturers to replace petroleum oil with your soybean oil. And that brings tangible returns back to your bottom line. See all the ways the Soy Checkoff is moving soy forward at unitedsoybean.org slash copper. No doubt you've heard of MetLife, but did you know that MetLife Investment Management has over 100 years of ag lending experience? The MetLife Investment Management team maintains close relationships with its borrowers and can structure a customized loan with flexible terms to meet your financial needs. Looking to expand, refinance, or recapitalize? Consider MetLife Investment Management. Learn more at metlife.com forward slash ag. Anyone can choose to make a difference. You can help people succeed, rebuild after disasters, protect the environment, or feed the hungry. Not only will you make a difference for others, but for yourself. You can earn money for college, learn career skills, and make friendships that last a lifetime. Make a difference. Choose your future. Choose AmeriCorps. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. We know this past year has been challenging in many ways, but as agriculture continues to adapt, we are right there with you. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Join me each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. What is dedication? My biggest fear in the middle of my addiction was that my kids wouldn't have a father. And I started thinking, you know what? This isn't my story. I definitely had to become a better man to be a better father. It's important to me that my kids are empowered and truly believe that if if they can think it, they can do it. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. If you served, we want you to get the health care and benefits you earned. We want you to come to VA. There's never been a better time to apply. Under a new law called the PACT Act, we've expanded VA care and benefits to millions of people who served and their survivors. No matter where you served or how long you served, check out va.gov PACT to learn more about what VA can do for you and your family. Come, come to, to VA. VA. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. Agritalk and to reserve Louisiana and the port of South Louisiana, we're partnering with the USB to learn about what has been done, what is being done, and what can be done to improve the infrastructure and to make shipping of U.S. soybeans from the Gulf more efficient. Uh, Let's have a conversation with a soybean grower from Louisiana right now, Garrett Marsh. 
Uh, he's a Louisiana farmer and a director for USB. Garrett, it's good to see you. How are you, man? Good to see you, Chip. All right. Let's start with your operation. Where Where is it and what is it? Uh, uh, I, owner of Blessed Day Farms. We're in northeast corner of Louisiana, right across the river from Vicksburg, Mississippi. Okay. A uh, little town called Tallulah. Yeah. Uh, on I-20. Uh, farm mostly corn and soybeans, uh, a little bit of rice and wheat here and there. Okay, a little bit of rice and weed in there. That rice market's been a little tough over the past couple of years, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. And then that any cotton in your operation? Uh, I used to. I've actually kind of got out of cotton uh, just for the fact that I don't, I don't have a picker myself. And, yeah. Uh, just uh, rice was working out more, so yeah. I, I went more that direction. Gotcha. Gotcha. What brought you or encouraged you to hook up with USB and be a director? Uh. Well, I became a member of our state soybean board, uh-huh. and uh, I don't know what do you call it. You get volunteered or voluntold, but <laughs> but, but I, uh, I I volunteered, I guess, and uh, it was just something something different that uh, I kind of wanted to get into and see what it was about. Yeah. So, in your role as as a director for USB. Uh, market development is big time, right? Have you been involved in some of those efforts? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, we're, we're developing with USB. You do a lot of, uh, market development overseas. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have some that we're doing right now, uh, in Cambodia with, uh, some aquaculture, uh, doing some in pond raceway, uh, stuff with them, uh, it's encouraging them to produce more more fish but mm-hmm. the i guess the the good thing about it is all the stuff that's uh it, it's helping them out as far as their food security and but it's also helping them out as jobs too because all the stuff's actually produced there in yep. cambodia uh back by, by cambodians and by developing these Mm-hmm. foreign markets you're just uh it's it's creating markets for our product right which is giving us more more money in our pocket as far right right so here you are in louisiana close to this and it means this port facility means as much to you as it does to that guy up in iowa that's growing soybeans because without it um that that access to those global markets just isn't there it and and this is one of the the most active artery for for soybean exports from the country what does it mean to you to see the investment made not only from usb but from the companies the amount of money that they are spending on the on the efforts to export soybeans out of out of the us what does that mean to you well as a farmer it means a lot uh the more efficient our transportation system can be the more that other countries and other uh come to us wanting our product yeah uh if we can get it to those other countries cheaper and in fewer trips then it's more worthwhile to them right uh the investments that we're making down here this is one of the largest uh or is the largest export facility for grain in our country and it's i mean it's obviously essential that we keep it right the standards up on it to right. uh, to keep meeting the demand of what the other countries are wanting yeah you know we can call it an advantage as long as we maintain the advantage that it gives us as soon as you fall behind and and we we've let it happen this dredging to get it to a 50 foot draft got that competitive advantage back in a lot of ways but before that we were losing it to ports out of Brazil and to get that advantage back, it may take a little bit of time to rebuild that, that, uh, demand for, for beans, but it's so important to keep it. And, and, uh, it means it just means more to basis. I, the guys up in the Midwest, when we're running short on beans, Garrett, as a country running short on beans, Boy, they look at your early harvest down here, you know, late August into September and think, boy, they'd like to sell into that market. Just have them loaded straight onto the boats, right? 
Yeah, that's one of the advantages we have here in Louisiana. Is like I said, it's, uh, it, we're we're looking at y'all a little different because we're we're down here looking at y'all, and we get that competitive advantage until y'all's harvest kicks in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that it it is nice to be able to get a little uh, a little bit of premium for that early harvest. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, what is this investment from USB? We always talk about return on investments. There's a good return on the investment of what the USB dollars that have been spent down here, isn't there? It is. Uh, I was actually talking with somebody a while ago. I think it's the it's $12.34 that you get back for every dollar that a farmer puts into their, their checkoff. You're right. getting $12.34 back in their pocket. So I mean, you can't get a better return than that. Uh, right. Me as as far as being on USB, uh, you know, as I've as a farmer, I guess I I never realized what USB did, mm -hmm. but as now that I've got into it, USB is doing some tremendous work, and yeah. I think it's really uh, putting a lot more money in farmers' pockets than what they think. Yeah. Yeah satisfying to be a part of that effort isn't it absolutely we're going to talk more about that this afternoon when you're on with us again okay garrett because the uh the importance of being involved having skin in the game from start to finish as a soybean producer in this country i think it's very important and we can do that through usb good stuff buddy thank you so much and thank you for listening this morning like I said, you got to come back this afternoon. We're going to be right here at the Port of South Louisiana, partnering with USB to talk about all the activity down here. Garrett's going to be here. We're going to talk with Julia Fisher and with Micah Cormier from the Port of South Louisiana, right here on AgriTalk. From innovation to action, BASF is collaborating with farmers in the Midwest and South to take a tougher stance on pigweed. The key to eradication mindset is based on three essential building blocks. Through the Pigweed Eradication Journey Fields approach, we are showcasing farmers' experience as they work towards pigweed eradication on their operation. I'm fourth generation farmer. We farm about a thousand acres, crop rotate with corn, wheat, soybeans, a little bit of milo, cotton as well. The problem that we have with pigweed, we try to at, at least use the chemical formulation that will control the pigweeds when we spray. We put out a residual on them when we do our burn down and once we get a crop stand we try to make sure we can use some kind of chemicals that will control the pigweeds. Quite naturally you're going to have some that escape but it's very little manual going out and trying to control them.